I'm showing you my wood. Ooh. Isn't wood good? It is good, especially if it's Norwegian. There, welcome to motorcycles and misfits coming to you from the recycle garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Liza, and I'm feeling dandy today. She's a dandy, yeah, dandy, blended. Yeah. It, it is actually sunny. It's living up to it's gloriously sunny, but also nice and cool in Santa Cruz right now as compared to the rest of. Of the Bay Area. The universe. Yeah, get closer to it. Two o'clock. Okay, getting closer to it. Well, let's get to who is here because, oh. Oh. It's it's big. It's People. deep. It's dark. <laughs> she, that's right. She's Not back. Not really dark, though. <laughs> it's Miss Emma. Aloha, darlings. You've been gone how long? Oh, it seems like forever, doesn't it? But yeah. I'm back. And this is Miss Emma, and I'm feeling handy. <gasps> oh. Tra-la-la. Oh, let's, let's see how this goes. And also joining us, I've uh, been a long time, but he's always been around. It's Henry. Oh, shit. Hello. I'm fucking, <laughs> hello, I'm fucking people number one. <laughs> Between sips of beer. Oh, and of course, you know that sultry Viking voice of Cat McLeod. I am back in the United States for just a few weeks before I take off to some wonderful motorcycling destination. Yeah, you are. And then also our stunt misfit. Fucking number three. <laughs> Patrick, right? <laughs> <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> That's right. You guys are all here for a reason. Too. Well, I was going to say every single person in the studio, excepting yourself, Liza, um, have one thing in common, aside from the fact that we're all completely awesome human beings, is we all went on. Well, it, it, Bagel is not in the. Oh, Bagel! Yes, yes, yes. Oh, we forgot you about you, darling. Hijack the conversation. Oh, I did hijack it, and I completely <laughs> forgot about the Bagler. Forgive me, sweetie. It's the oh, Bagel. Oh, that's all right. It's, it's I. It, and uh, I think my number today is C plus one. Wait a minute. Have you been buying stuff? Not exactly, but it did cost me a little bit. Well, you better explain we, that before we go any hold further, on, let's darling. C plus one. We have taken a new cat into my household. Oh, C plus one. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, cats yeah. are great. What sort of cat is it? Arms, legs, that kind she, of thing. Yeah, she's got all those, and uh, she's sort of a, a whitish with gray spots. Uh, and very interesting coloring, sort of a smoky colored cat. Oh, good. Oh, um, she she was uh, she was local to the neighborhood with her brother, and they ran away earlier this year, and then their owners moved and couldn't find them before they moved. So uh, they've made their way over to my house, and we trapped the girl last week, and uh, she got spayed, and she now just came back this afternoon, and we're working on getting the boy next. That's pretty good, you know. If 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 you capture somebody and then give them, <clears throat> you know. <laughs> altering surgery they usually don't come back <laughs> but she is she is very happy to be here she's, oh, she's a super sweet cat very good well she's probably been living rough for a little while has she chosen yeah. a scooter is there a scooter that she particularly enjoys and do you approve of the choice uh not not yet she we're working on it one room at a time <laughs> nice well congratulations on your c plus one oh thank you i am at c goddamn won't die 
Oh, God. <laughs> Holly is still hanging on. Oh, still hanging on. This Even sh- the vet can't believe it. Shambling wreck of a feline example. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. He's like... I, I think he's like 19 years old now. Oh, I don't wow. know. I, I adopted him. I adopted him. He was like 18 years old. And they're like, hey, you shouldn't live mm-hmm. long. <laughs> a year and a half later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some cats just like to hang on. But cats and motorbikes. And Wonder, we motorcycles. What, yeah. Yes. And well, yeah. And we got cat here. But wow. first, I want to try something new, if you don't mind. Oh, go All ahead. Right. All right. Really? There's, there's so much going on out there that I've been monitoring. So much. So I wanted to... Uh, What's going on? I wanted, Well, I want to try this out. Bringing you the latest motorcycle news from around the world. I'm Liza Miller, and this is the news. First up tonight, Can-Am has announced two new motorcycles, the Pulse Roadster and the Origin Adventure Bikes. The timing of these electric bikes are set to coincide with Can-Am's 50th anniversary in 2023. They will be powered by the same motor made by Rotax, who also is the same company that built the two-strokes that powered the very first Can-Ams back in 1973 and won the AMA 250cc motocross titles in 1974. KTM has announced that they will be bringing a new bike to the electric motorcycle market. Joining the electric freeride dirt bike will be the E-Duke. It will be sharing a number of components with sister company Husqvarna and their new E-Pillin. Both will use a 5.5 kilowatt hour fixed battery pack. Kawasaki has also announced that they will be releasing two lower cost electric motorcycles possibly this year. But the big question remains. When will Honda join the fight for the market space? And who will come out on top? Today marks the final day of the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota, and the numbers are in. DUI arrests are up with 148 this year. Misdemeanor drug arrests, 148. Felony drug arrests, 103. Citations issued, 1,430. With total warnings at 5,288. Non-injury crashes are down with 50, but injury crashes are up with 62 this year. And finally... Fatal crashes are down with only three this year compared to four last year. I'm Liza Miller, and that is the news. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just, wow. I don't know what to make of that. Having been to Sturgis, it's, that, that actually is it's, that, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't Sturgis technically actually more dangerous than the Isle of Man at this point? For the participants, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah especially given that like, like, like 30% of the people actually trailer their bikes all the way there and then proceed oh, to ride them around. It's the only time of yeah. the year they actually ride it for the yeah. five you know, minutes they pull it out. I'm, I'm actually wondering if any of the fatalities were people getting their bikes off the trailer <laughs> and then the bike falls oh. on them. Oh, it's a fatality. Well, and I have a story to share on that. Uh, you may or may not recall that I have a KLR. Uh, 650 that I keep in Custer, which is just an hour yes. away from uh, Sturgis. In fact, it's basically that loop people take. Yeah, yeah. Go through Custer State Park, go past Mount Rushmore and the Crazy Horse uh, thing they're building, all the things, right? Beautiful, amazing ride. Uh, Needles Highway, all that. Well, somebody rented my KLR for Sturgis and they showed up with a truck <laughs> to pick it up and take it back to Sturgis. 
Wow. That's a great use of a KLR. Even though it's only an hour ride through the most scenic highways, Hmm. they trucked it to Sturgis. Okay. It's their show bike for the show weekend. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. I don't. I don't even. I can't even process that. Wow. I know. Just wow. The funny thing is, I bet you they went for a ride to Custer and back. They probably did. Uh, yeah, that's where all the rides are going. Anyway, hmm. so that was my news. There's so much going on. I mean, all these uh, announcements for new electric bikes are fascinating to me. Um, the the big one though that Can Am is announced uh, bringing bikes. When yeah. was the last time they made motorcycles? Well, no, it's it's been up. They're one of those companies that never really went away, but they've right. been on the they've been on the well, low down for a while. I mean, anybody who um, was at an MA dirt bike meeting in the 70s would be very very familiar with can-am bikes oh yeah my and father they, had a can-am right yeah. stroke. he loved and that a, bike mm-hmm. yeah i mean they were never massively competitive but they were up there i mean you know it wasn't certainly wasn't a bad bike um you know in the i want to get my timing right here late 70s and early, early 80s. 80s yeah yep. so it's been decades right since they've made mm-hmm. well just hang on um right the british yeah. army their that's true motorcycle fleet was getting a bit long in the tooth and they actually replaced a lot of the the, the more vintage british bikes with can-ams bombardiers um right. and they you know again it was a, it was a sort of rudimentary two-stroke but they were very robust and very very easy to maintain so you know can-am are no strangers to making motorbikes um it's yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting prospect. Yeah, so that's yeah, it's interesting all the way around. But we also know that they have deep pockets, right? Yes. Uh, so Bombardier makes things like trains and jets. But I will tell you something about Honda <laughs> that out of all the motorcycle manufacturers, out of all the Japanese car manufacturers, Honda are by far the most conservative out of all of them. And I will bet you, before they release an electric bike, they need to be absolutely cocksure of the technology. Well, I'm going to compare them to Valentino Rossi. Are you really? I am. How did Valentino Rossi win so many of his races, Kat? Was it from taking the lead early on and keeping it the whole way? No. No. Well, how did he win his races? Valet's key skill, even though he's an incredible rider... In some ways, he was the better racer than uh, a better rider. He used skill, guile, uh, his mental abilities, understanding the rider in front of him. The best battle being uh, one that occurred right here uh, at Laguna Seca, Mm -hmm. his battle with Casey Stoner. Casey Stoner, incredible rider, had the better bike, had the better lap times. All Rossi had was racecraft and guile. He would just get on up in the top three usually and hang there and mm. wait and wait until the right moment. Let yeah. them make the mistake and then he would take the lead. And I think Honda's going to be a what lot like it? that. I think they're going to let everyone else forge the path and then they're going to come in with a product that's going to just... Mm. Yeah, no, it's but it's it's. I don't think it's right to say that they're waiting for other people to make a mistake. I can assure you right now they are on an electric developmental path. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they're, they're, they they're very release. much on their own path. And Honda being Honda and being such um, a perfectionist-based company, 
they will double check it and triple check it because it's the quality of the product that is important rather than getting it out first. Much like Valentino Rossi. There you go. Tralala. That's how they are a powerhouse of R and D. Compared to the other manufacturers within the motorcycle f- sphere, nobody can compare it to the amount of budget. Yeah. And, and just well, their R&D is incredible. I mean, I mean Can-Am does have big pockets too. So it'll it's, be interesting to see. But let's get to – Emma, you've been gone a while. In fact, you guys went on a trip, but you've been back for a while. Well, a yeah, bit. no, that's true. And before you – I was so rudely interrupted, and you decided to do your Nightline with Lester Holt thing. Um, No, I was about to say that every person in this room, with the exception of yourself, Liza, have something in common, that um, we did an alpine adventure, didn't we? I'm sorry, it's alpine. Alpina adventure. Um, Penis. And what a wonderful trip it was. This was um, a trip that was put together by um, the gentleman sitting next to me, the always affable Cat McLeod. And you actually put this trip together especially for us misfits. And when I say us misfits, I'm including the listeners. So tell me your thought process, Cat, about how you came up with this trip. Well, obviously, most of my tours are pretty upscale, dealing with more experienced riders. Um, but the probably the big difference is uh, it's a price tag thing. I just compa- I just in my mind compared this tour to two buck Chuck. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good entry level. <laughs> in real terms, in real terms, it is, and I will take I, I will take that analogy because a lot of people cut their wine drinking teeth on two buck Chuck. Yeah. It's it's great value. I mean, it's. This trip really put a very, very high-end experience within the reach of ordinary working men and women. And that was the whole concept that Kat came up with. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I was used as bait. <laughs> so it's like... Well, who doesn't oh, want to spend a week riding with Miss Emma? Well, and there you go. And, I mean, I've never made a secret of saying to me, the, gra- the greatest prize in motorcycling is riding with your friends. How, yeah. many of you, how, how many times have you heard me say that, Henry? At least a dozen on the flight. Yeah. Is that why we never ride together? <laughs> yes, exactly. <Ooh. laughs> no, Lyza's been mean to me today and has been from the moment I, I walked yeah. in today. But we'll, we'll more of that oh, later. I gave you a good five minutes head start yes um (laughs) one of the things that i try to do more than anything with my motorcycle tours is i try to take away fear you know you shouldn't be afraid you 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 get your you get better motorcycle skills rather than having fear you have a plan the same thing applies to international travel people should not be afraid of international travel a lot of folks in the united states are very intimidated by it you're already riding on two wheels come on let's let's take care of this fear of travel and so that's what the point of the tour was was right see you can do this this is how it's done and you know we didn't have a whole bunch of guys it was just me i and and everybody got the message and (laughs) repeated it back to me it was great i was not the tour guide i was the instructor we sent people off on their own in in small groups uh to do the routes uh on their own right and And so so in in the end there were 21 riders and three pillions so i think it was 24 in total um wildly different riding experiences (coughs) and we kind of 
we split ourselves up into impromptu groups, and there was some fluidity in the groups, I mean, but generally it was based on skill level. You had the expert group, and I think the largest group was, what, six riders? Yeah, yeah, I think it was yeah. Red Squadron. And there were, there were four or five groups um, with very skilled riders, intermediate riders, riders who wanted to go slowly and see the scenery who were experienced, and then inexperienced riders um, who were the gold squadron. And I chose largely because um, we were with uh, 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 Lila, and they have limited experience, and we're a little concerned about it. And I said, look, Lila, stick with me. We'll form the gold squadron. Um, and originally, there were just three members of the gold squadron. There was myself, Lila, and dear Dave Osterday, who's a regular mm-hmm. listener. Yeah. Um, in the end, we kind of grew somewhat because people realized we were having great fun and we kind of mastered the, the communication uh-huh. thing, more of which we'll talk yes. about in a bit. Um, Hold on. Patrick, did, did she let you play with the gold members? No, Patrick I, I was in the experts. I opted to stay with Kat the entire time. <laughs> I was going to say, smart, you, were, smart. you were too fast. Yeah, well, I thought about joining the Gold Squadron for a day because I was like, I do want to see the scenery, but I'm here to ride a bike. I'm here to go fast, right. too. So and I'm going to do that, too. <laughs> and I think the key of this trip, there was something for everyone, and it was large enough that that was able to be offered. I mean, for people like Patrick who were really just, it's all about riding the bike. And Cat, of course. Um, and then people like us who were just overwhelmed by this just gorgeous scenery and want to take it a little bit easier. Um, so everybody found something. So I think, well, I mean, the easiest thing, Cat, is if we kind of break down the trip of what actually happened. Because... There was a lot of people who have never been outside America before. Yes, that was the point. And this was the whole point of the trip, and the whole ease of it was what was so amazing. So um, where should we start, Henry? Because Henry was my traveling companion. Should we start in Monterey, or should we start in SFO? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, oh, are we, are we talking about that? Let's just move it. <laughs> no, we can, we can actually start... Um, I I just heard somebody missed a flight. Well, and there's a reason for but that. But then somebody made it to the next flight miraculously. <laughs> well, um, and it's we like can, wow, can, that that turned around real quick. We can skip past that. We can no, 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 no. We we'll deal with Monterey. So, um, I have um, a few little quirks to my character, and claustrophobia is one of them, and and it's quite severe claustrophobia. Um, I get very antsy even if i'm in a in a in an elevator for too long and so the big plan um was henry was going to arrive at my house we were going to uh jump on a local plane from so uh from monterey up to sfo which is an hour and a half drive well it is <laughs> yeah. but it only applies if you have somebody who's able to drive you and right, of course but I'm saying it's distance wise it's it, distance wise it's nothing and then you know there was about a two or three hour layover in in sfo and then we were flying lufthansa into munich um and so this bloody stupid plane landed in monterey and it was clear it was about the size of a shoebox 
and mm. I attempted That's being generous. Yeah, yeah, and I attempted to get on it, and I'm like, "There's no, there's no way I'm going to get on this thing." And That's I had a sewer pipe with I, wings. Yes, it yeah. basically <laughs> was. So um, I had a little bit of a meltdown <laughs> on the ramp, and oh, I'm man. like, "Oh God, I'm having this terrible claustrophobic attack." So I was sort of escorted off the runway by these large security guys and plop, plop down in the departure lounge again. And um, these nice paramedics arrived and they took my blood pressure and were quite amazed I was still alive <laughs> because it was so high. And they said, basically, you're not flying ever again, probably. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and which did wonders for my blood pressure. So it started off at like 200 over 105 and went up from Jeez. there. Um so anyway, um, they deposit me on the on the sidewalk outside Monterey to give me time to think about life in general, um, and I thought I really want to make this trip. Mm-hmm. I do not want it to end here. I put Henry on the plane. I said, Henry, get on the plane. I'm I'm gonna meet you in SFO. Yeah, I just fucked off on the plane, just assuming like, all right, Emma's gonna work it out, and you did, and I did. So basically, what happened? I looked at the timing, and I thought, you know what? With the right person, I can actually make the SFO flight. And I'm gonna have to do a bit of fast talking when I get to SFO. So I called my very very dear friend Michael McCarthy, <laughs> Misfit Mike. <clears throat> Um, who's never let me down. And basically, cut a long story short, he came around, he did a whirlwind drive up to SFO. <laughs> he got there in an hour, and that's an almost wow. two-hour drive. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> um, using techniques, driving techniques, not dissimilar to those used by James Bond. Nice. Um, and, um, and, and you made it on the plane. Well, I, got, I went to the Lufthansa desk, and I thought, God, I'm going to have to do some fast talking, because if... if Anything to do with my medical ends up here. They won't let me fly. Mm-hmm. So uh, be calm, be calm, Emma. So be calm. And, you know, the veins sticking out <laughs> on my forehead. Um, and I, I said, oh, you know, I missed the flight in Monterey. Um, I'd like to check in now. And she, she says, okay, you've checked in. You've got plenty of time. And I just... And then I met Henry in the departure lounge. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that was that. And I was fine on the big plane because the big plane is the big plane. We had the greatest flight out. It, it was probably half booked the flight. Oh, it was brilliant. We yeah. sat right next to each other. We had a space between us. Yes. Well, Michael McCarthy for the win. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, no, awesome. he's a very, very dear friend, and I will think of ways to pay him back. Your motorcycling friends. Man. However, the, here is the caveat for anyone who is contemplating this trip. And it's not it's not really a negative, but it is a word of caution. Europe is a long way away. And here on the West Coast, we could not be further away from Europe if we tried. You're going to be on a plane for 11 hours. And you can slice it and dice it any way you want. You can fly to the East Coast, have a drop-off, and then fly to Europe. You can do whatever you want. You are going to be on a plane for 11 hours, and that is plenty of time to be on a plane. I used to try a plane in Pakistan. Yeah. Right, which is how long? Uh, what's it take us, like a 24, 24 hours? hours? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's a long time to be in a plane environment. You get off that thing feeling like a piece of beef jerky. Also, if you're in economy yeah. class and you scoot the seat all the way back and hold it there for the entire flight... You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that experience, Fuck huh? you. Yes. 
And dear Henry, on the way back, yes, you experienced that. But, you know, um, shout out to Lufthansa flight attendants who take no nonsense from anyone. No shit. Yeah, particularly with small crying children. And they were mm-hmm. not having it. And On uh, the flight there, they weren't. But then where I was sat, there was a fucking <laughs> small child crying every three hours. Right. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great and long flight out. Cat, of course, being the perfect host, met us in Munich Airport. Um, we took a taxi from the airport to downtown Munich. We met up with Lila first, and then we all took a taxi. And then we all took a taxi, all three of us, um, which was quite a wild ride. I mean, it was 100-plus miles an hour. The autobahns <laughs> seem inhabited almost exclusively in the fast lane by Mercedes-Benz station wagons, the slowest <laughs> of which is doing about 100 miles an hour, the fastest of which is probably approaching the speed of light. Um and we we had one of the latter, an ancient driver whose face was made of leather. Um, and the speedometer was like hovering around 240 clicks. I mean, the guy was absolutely Whoa. flying and then completely missed the turn off and nearly <laughs> nearly put us into the barrier. I mean, it was, it was a wild oh, ride, geez. but... Um, Oh my! We had our own LA lane change uh, right there. Yes, yeah, right, absolutely. Right. It's um, only because I jerked him. I'm like, dude, you need to right here because obviously nobody else in the car knows that this is the place we have to get off. But right. I'm, I'm thankfully I'm right next yeah. to the driver. I'm like, Frankfurt uh, bitte, du hast mir Rex, Rex, du musst Rex fahren hier. Yeah. But anyway, we get to the hotel and we'd had the foresight. I knew it was a long flight, and of course, you know, Emma being a little older. I thought, um, I want a couple of days to recover from this before I actually swing a leg over a bike. And it's a lovely hotel. It's a business hotel. So the important thing to note, there's no, um, there's no real luxury to it, but it's very efficient. It's very clean. They have a bar and they serve wonderful beer. Um, it's very convenient. It's very convenient. The bike rental place is literally across the street. There is a motorbike store that's similar to um, Cycle Gear, but kind of a lot classier. I was going to say a lot more upscale. Yeah, two doors down. Um, And in my case, Kat had mentioned that it was probably going to rain. And I hadn't brought any rain gear. And I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to buy a rain suit when I'm there, which I did. Um, And I think it cost 50 euros. It wasn't expensive, this neon green rain suit, which everyone wears there. It was very sexy. Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. (laughs) So I'm just looking on a map so I can better understand what you guys are. Yes. Because you're always talking about how you're going to Italy, but you're flying into Germany. And now I do see. So southern Germany, northern Italy. Well, southern Germany, Austria, Italy. That's the method. But you left one out. One of my favorites. Is it's a country I didn't know existed until a couple of years ago. Uh, Liechtenstein. Yes, I'm, hmm. my assumption about this country is there's very little there. Is that for some reason they overlooked storming that castle and it just got left for all these? <laughs> the only reason it never got taken over centuries. is because the army got lost. Yes. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the tiniest little country is right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. It's I'm not sure which is smaller, and I'm going to rely on our Mediterranean mm. listeners. Mm. Whether it's Liechtenstein or Andorra, right? They're I think I think Andorra's smaller. Isn't isn't uh, Rome? Might be the Vatican City. The Vatican City is the smallest. You got Germany uh, north of you, Austria to the east Mm -hmm. of you, Liechtenstein to the northwest, and then 
Italy or is everything yeah, it, it's so, everything's Italy. Yeah, what a, what a cool so place. So anyway, lovely hotel, um, very pleasant stay, very, very pleasant staff. And of course, Kat, you've been doing this for a decade now, so he knows everyone. Yeah. So hotel staff, you always get, you know, the, just a little extra bit of treatment here. Um, and I will say something. Every single thing I bought was covered by you, Kat. And I wasn't expecting that because I guzzled quite a bit of beer. Oh, that's what that bill was. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was a very, very pleasant stay. Um, and then the time came to collect the bikes. Mm-hmm. Now, because uh, Leo Escapes is particularly well organized, they have all the information at the bike rental place before you even set foot in the joint because you have sent all your information to Nancy ahead of time. And if you haven't, she has berated you with an email and said, why haven't I having your stuff yet? And so you have to send your stuff ahead of time. That gets sent to BTS, the motorcycle rental place. And so they've got all your stuff. So literally, it's half an hour. You toddle across the street. Half an hour later, you've got a spanking new BMW in your possession. I think I think for me it was about five minutes. Yeah. I it, walked in, they got my wow. last name, and they're like, welcome home. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Here's your literally a brand new 2022 BMW. Yeah. I turned it here. on, and like it was like, service is due. And it's like, are you sure? And I'm like, that's ah, fucking fine. And I was like, okay, because I'm going to ride it like I stole it. <laughs> so including you, Cap, what were each of you riding? Okay, so, um, Kat, I think you had the fastest bike, I have. You? I routinely ride the BMW S1000XR when I'm in the Alps. Uh, now, the right. XR is the German equivalent of the FC1. It's BMW's version of the Versus. Oh, no, it's a lot quicker than, <laughs> so a, lot quicker than then, a Versus. And then some. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's a there's a lot of bandit in it, fuel injected bandit. But I yeah. think an FC one is the closest. It's yeah. you know, but for the 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 riding position, yeah, it's a sit yeah. up and beg. It's an S one thousand RR, but yeah. with, with it's with it's the versus, gentleman's yeah. sport bike. Yeah. It's very it's very, very flickable, um, very light, and lots of horsepower up top. It's right, very fucking fast. Patrick, yeah. I had a hell of a time trying to keep up. <laughs> yeah, you had the most ubiquitous bike the, out of the R twelve fifty G. Yes. Oh. And a lot of people out of the 21 riders, I would say at least 15 had GSs. The majority of people had GSs. Kind of, a, there was a mix of the 1250s. Was it the 850 was the other GS? There, were, there was a few 850s. There, yeah. there, there was a few. A lot of the 1250 GSs did end up upside down by the side of the road over the course oh, of the week. I just kept mine one. straight up. Well, because <laughs> you're so tall. Wait, there was a crash? No. no was just, it wasn't was a crash. There was literally drops. Nobody over. crashed. Okay. But the thing is with drops. the GS... Yeah. They are quite top heavy when you're kind of maneuvering them about. So can can I get a report real quick? Yes, yeah, yeah. because you ride. Uh, you have a KTM Super right. Super so Duke. I, I chose and a KLR. I chose the GS specifically because I have interest in possibly buying another so bike. So what did you think? I conflicted on this bike. Like it's Ooh. everything about the bike. There was nothing that was wrong with it. Yeah. The, I was annoyed by the fact that like I kept hitting the damn cylinder yep, heads. Yep. That's yep. my Throw only nuts. Nail that's your my shins only on that fucker. Yep. But I was yep. like technically competent, amazing electronics, 
Everything about the bike was great. Great low-end torque. It's the shin thing that gets me. The shin drove me nuts, and the suspension drove me a little bit batty, too, mm, because I had yeah. no feeling in the front. It's because I had, of the tail lever. I was like, yes, too. I could I could throw this bike into the turn, no problem, but I couldn't feel anything in the front. And I, coming, coming off the Duke, yeah. which has super yeah. tight suspension, I was like, this is so weird, but it's such an easy bike to ride. Not the bike I want to buy, Right, but great, I was great touring bike. Great touring bike, super comfortable. Yeah. We were what seven hours a day on those bikes. Yeah. Yes, I was like, I could easily do another just, five or just six. Just don't hours. put your feet down. I made <laughs> a, <laughs> I made a prediction on day one, actually in the BTS rental parking lot, to everyone who was riding a GS, and I said, by the end of the week, you will be amazed of the competency of this bike. You will be amazed at its technical excellence. You'll be amazed about how long you can stay in the saddle. You'll be well, amazed, and I was but so you, you simply will not be in love with it. I was and you so won't buy one. grateful yeah. that we had Kevin on the on the trip with us because yes. he has a GS, the smaller variant, right? But he walked us through all the neat little technical stuff you yes. can do to it. So, like when BTS sets it up, they had like, you know, you've got your your pro settings. Kevin's like, well, you can open up the Dynamic Pro, which opens the engine all the way up, and you can get into the Hill Start stuff mm-hmm. and connect your Bluetooth, and then you can track everything on the app. And it's like that was really fun to do because I've never had a bike that had that before. And it's like, oh, I can get off the bike right. and look at how much did I lean, how much ABS was I throwing oh, wow. into the tank, all be- this little yeah. stuff, so you can kind oh, that, that of you can analyze what you were doing, and then you can mm-hmm. I can sit now at home on my bored days. It's like, oh yeah, that I can relive the route. <laughs> From a technical standpoint. So, GS was the most ubiquitous. Henry? Henri? I was on a BMW XR900R. Basically, this, I would say the smaller version of the S1000XR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, parallel yeah. twin. Makes about 100, a little bit over 100 horsepower. Weighs about, what, 480 pounds or so. And first day, first day, it was fine. Like, it was fast. I was able to keep up with some people, with some of the locals, but just like, eh, you know, this is a good bike. But then with Kevin's suggestion, I'm putting it into Dynamic Pro. <laughs> that you opened up. It yeah. opened it up, and it's like, oh, I'm going to ride this like I stole it. And I, <laughs> and you did. <laughs> fucking did. And, and Henry was actually, out of everyone, he was the one to catch. Mm. He was he, the one. He was, and I, I even struggled to keep up with Henry. I, I got behind him one day, and I was like, God, he's throwing that bike all over the road. Like, this is going to be fun. I was going <laughs> to say, to be fair, the roads there are damn near perfect, and they're mm. so predictable oh, and amazing. Right. And it's just, oh, yeah. just like on like a bike where I'm just I'm just jamming with it on perfect roads. It's like, all right, I'm going to throw this fucker into a corner, and I'm going to give it all I've got out of the corner and i did it was a lot of fun holy shit <laughs> and i i had the yeah. the kind of stripper version of henry's i had an f900r once again it's the twin cylinder bike it's a new engine or a newer and, engine it's not a development of the venerable old um twin cylinder you know the rotax yeah. based engine these, this is a new engine these 900s are available here in the states yes because yes. i haven't really heard that much about them it's they they're it's, super under the radar, actually. They really are. And um, I absolutely fell in love with my bike, as Henry did, because it was just so perfect. And originally, my my thought process behind getting it was it was the cheapest bike that they'd rent. Mm-hmm. It was uh, also the best bike that they rented. <laughs> well, we found that out, didn't we, Henry? Yes. But my thought pattern was, look, to a certain extent... I'm getting this trip 
at a very, very good price. I'll just get the cheapest entry-level bikes, so that will release the good bikes for people who are paying full boat. It, the reality was, I think me and you, Henry, we had the best bikes for the job. Oh, absolutely. By far. And uh, question, so what was Lila on? Because Lila's really only ridden small I bikes. worked a lot on this with Lila because Lila has very short legs and seat mm-hmm. height is a big issue with shorter riders. Yeah. And you work with a lot of fleets and I say, you got to have one bike in your fleet for the shorter riders. And specifically, uh, my fleet in Munich has kept hold of the F800 GT because it is literally just two inches even lower mm-hmm. so that's what i put her and krista on mm-hmm. so they could have a really easy to easy to ride bike even though they were short and fair dues to bts they actually keep lower seats as well yeah. so each bike including the f900 including the xr900 including all the gs's and the f800s were available with a lower seat so each bike um was very, very well maintained, in a lot of cases brand new. Each bike came with saddlebags and top case because we had no support truck. Everything we needed, we packed in Mm -hmm. the cases. Um, And they're insured, of course. Mine came with absolutely spanking new tires. I don't think anybody had a hokey bike. Mm -hmm. Even the older one, even the F800 that Lila was on was just perfectly maintained gotta remember this is germany so they like maintaining stuff great so the standard is they have to maintain stuff so bikes Uh, bikes were a win that's great bikes were a win nobody had mechanical problems with their bike few people struggled with with theirs but it was largely because of quirks of the bike I was going to say, well, Krista got a uh, nail in her tire on the ride back. Yes. But that's not really... Well, I I think Krista, she was the only one that did have a mechanical failure because her brake light was like on nonstop for a certain portion of the ride. And I'm like, I was behind hmm. her at one point and I'm like, oh yeah, is she braking or not? I can't tell. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's a small bike, but... And I was like... Oh, too bad you didn't have a mechanic People. around to help you with that. I, I think eventually it got sorted out, but we it was were just in, something. No, was, it never we got sorted out. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. But so Krista, she's a fast fucking rider. She yeah. she would have been right up there with me if she wasn't limited by the bike. Right. right. But everyone, whenever we would get caught in traffic, everyone would be tailgating her like all the fucking time, <laughs> and it's because the the brake light wasn't fucking light coming on. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so it sounds like the group all got along well. It was a good group. Everyone got along great. Um, the riding was superb. Germany was wonderful. Very, very predictable. And once again, it's kudos to Kat, because rather than put everybody on the freeway, which is the easiest way to get out of Germany, there was a little freeway riding, but the majority of riding was through the countryside. And I went through God, the most delightful villages. I haven't set foot in Germany in 25 years. I'd forgotten how pretty Germany is. When you get into the countryside in southern Germany, it's absolutely captivating just how drop-dead gorgeous it is. We found ourselves in just beautiful little villages. We picked up a little bit of a freeway and stopped at an authentic um, Austrian truck stop. That may have been the best schnitzel I had the entire trip, too. <laughs> <It was> However, 
That said, Europe was suffering from something of a heat wave right then, and the heat <laughs> was toasty, oh, yeah. oppressive. Ooh, yeah, was I really became hot. one with my leather pants. I wasn't oh. sure where the pants ended and I began. I mean, granted, so I was wearing the stitch, and by the time we got to Italy, Fuck. like I took off that Oof. suit, and it was like I had jumped in a pool, and it was right. just me and oh. my own sweat but, and goo. All right, guys, <laughs> so, so tell the story. You arrived at the Austrian truck stop, and yes, to your surprise, the food is fabulous. What about the bathroom? And it had an unusual odor to it. <laughs> okay, but oh, door. it was clean though. But, but, I mean, but you had to get to the bathroom. How did you have to get to the bathroom? Oh, no, so I had, to, I had to drop a fifty cent euro. There you piece, go. You got to pay to pee. You've got to pay to pee. However, that threw me off though because I was like, okay, I have to pay for water everywhere, and I have to pay to pee. But but <laughs> going in, going out. It's really good water, and the bathrooms are all clean. It's worth the price at this point. <laughs> but and there is the no Germans price. love their mineral water too. Yes. They yes. Do. <laughs> But there is no price because when you pay your your I missed I missed that part. Yes, I didn't get when the you pay <laughs> to go for a pee. Can you get a fast pass? You get a token, yeah. and then when you buy your food, you give them the token, and they give you fifty. See, and I was, I was so I was so fast that like I just need to pee right now, and I just missed that part completely. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, it live and learn. So all right, let's get back to. The road. So uh, you started out in Germany, but you go to Italy, right? Go through Austria, end up in Italy. Um, Italy is just a glorious country. It's I could easily spend the rest of my life in Italy. It is... I, I have a stupid question. Yes. From Germany and Austria to Italy, does the food just change that quick? No, no. actually. It's, or is there like some sort of fusion in between? No, let me tell you. a lot of the same right? food from place to place. Let North, me, Northern Italy, it was it's very Germanic in many yeah. ways. Yeah, when okay. you're in the Alps, you're not really in Italy. You're in Tyrol. The Alps people right. are the same all the way from France to Slovenia. At the top of every mountain pass, you're going to get your schnitzel and your goulash. It's guaranteed. It's because they're really not part of Italy. You have to get down in the valleys and further so, south th so things start getting Italian. So no spaghetti. No, well, they had that, and it was fantastic. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they and the pizza was very good. They see themselves yeah. as an Alpine culture, and that's very, very important to understand. Okay. So Austria, German, uh, Austria... Italy, and of course, as you say, Slovenia on the other side. It's Alpine country, and they see themselves as an Alpine people, even though the languages change a little bit. But of course, on the board, everyone speaks English. Most everyone speaks English. If they don't, they are so patient with you. Kat said something very, very profound, um, which has stuck with me. And of course, he's absolutely right. You need to understand the difference between a tourist town and a resort town. And it's a very, very profound difference. A tourist town is a town that goes about its business and there happens to be tourists in it. And sometimes they're well received, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're seen as an annoyance. Well, but the, a resort town, the entire town lives for people coming in, spending their money, and having a good time in the town. And the quality of service you get is wildly different. So is San Francisco a resort town or a tourist town? It's a tourist town. It's a front. tourist town because San Francisco okay. is a town. It's got a financial district. It's got the gay district. Oh, it's got. It's so a town a in itself. A resort town would be like Punta Cana. Tahoe. 
Tahoe is a resort town. I don't see that as a resort town, but okay. The entire, to a certain extent, Vegas is a resort town. Every single person in Vegas is there there for the tourism. And can it say where we were actually staying is every inch the resort town. Interestingly enough, summer is not high season. Winter is high season. Because it's skiing. It's all about skiing. Right. Um, And I think I was talking to uh, Julia... And she said, I think it's kind of like two-thirds to one-third compared summer to winter. Hmm. They're half as busy again in the winter time as they are in summer. But nevertheless, hmm. it's a resort town. So getting back to the trip, I think, what was it, about eight hours? It took about eight hours, yeah, wasn't getting it? Yeah, our first, our first route down. Um, I, it's a long day. I wanted to start people off. So you, you get on the Autobahn for a short bit of time, and then I wanted to get people off on the Autobahn. So they start getting used to their bike, go through a little bit of traffic, keep the pace kind of slow so you get used to the bike, enjoy some of the scenery. Then then it's then it's lunch, and we'll get off the highways, and then we then we hit our first mountain pass, which is Pensajoch. Yes. Yeah. And then... So it's it's about an eight-hour trip. You arrive at the hotel. It's a very, very warm welcome. Everything is waiting for you. You have beautiful rooms. I had the most glorious room with this just gorgeous balcony that looked out over the street, which actually wasn't a bad thing. Um, and again, just clean. Everything works. The water's hot. There's great water pressure. Although the showers are tiny. The yeah. showers are <laughs> tiny, but believe yeah. Imagine me, me fitting in those showers. If you have been riding in oppressive heat for mm. nine hours, you could get in a shoebox, and if you're able to wash the road scum off you. Wait a minute, let me get this clear. You mean <laughs> you could have Wi-Fi, electricity, and hot water? Amazing. Bagel knows why that's so funny. Because in Pakistan, pick right. two. You can't have all three. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, you're, lucky, you're lucky if you get one in some places. <laughs> but it's, it's, cannot say it's just this delightful little town. I would actually argue that that hotel isn't in cannot say. It's right on the northern edge, isn't it? It's it almost, is. It's actually technically in Alba. But yeah, I was going to say yeah. it's it's in the next town, but yeah. everything. First night, we all arrived at the hotel. I want to say about six o'clock. Every single person had a shower. Every single mm-hmm. person. So, and then we all went out for dinner, didn't we? Yes. So y'all are staying basically at one hotel yes. and doing yes. little day trips, and yep. that's where the teaching comes in. That you're yes. teaching them how to. Well, I, I, go again, I said go to. This is just one strategy that you yeah. can do while you're traveling. You are a motorcycle rider. You have come there to experience the roads. The road is a destination. You've come to experience the culture of the right. country by immersing yourself in it, rather than going to a tourist trap. So you can go to go to a particular town and you know you do the clover thing you first you head west then you head north mm-hmm. you know the east you know and you can stay in the same place and you sort of you get a home base and you sort yeah. of get to understand that town you know as as the locals do so the way cat set it up we're actually riding using the hotel as a base five days right yes but there's at least six rides you can choose mm-hmm. and you're given this little brochure mm. and each ride is explained in terms of miles, um, time, time in the saddle, and overall time to do the trip, and sort of skill level. So you can pick what you want to do. There's 
plenty of all-day rides. I mean, the Stelvio Pass, which, of course, Gold Group leapt on on day one. You guys were brave for doing that. I was impressed. Rogue Group has a story on Stelvio. (laughs) So That was more than a day ride. That is an all-day ride. Presuming you don't get held up with destruction, presuming you don't get held up with getting lost, it's a nine-hour day. <laughs> wait, 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 did somebody get lost? Yes, well, we're going to come to that. Yeah, wait, yeah. Canada, you didn't teach them better? And then, well, okay. Sometimes the only way to teach people is to have them fuck up and learn the lesson. And, and my we'll, rule is the best adventures come. We're going to come to the details yes. of that. And then some of the shorter rides were very, very easy rides, technically challenging, but really just four or five-hour rides. So you could... Have a lie-in, set off late morning, do the ride, and still have plenty of time to get back, change for dinner. Get drunk. Get drunk, (laughs) and then repeat the next day. (laughs) It was superbly set up. When I first heard about the trip, I thought, look, being stuck at the same hotel, it's actually going to be, it's not going to be that interesting. And it was far from it. It was an absolute master stroke. Because you arrive at the hotel, you unpack your crap, you have your crap everywhere, and there it stays mm-hmm. for six days. I was going to say, also, it's, it's brilliant. the cutest little three-star hotel I've ever stayed in in my entire life. Uh, I will tell Julia and, and Tiziana, they will be very happy to hear that. Um, the other thing that you can get when you stay at a place for a long period of time is you can get a better deal deal yes. than you were if you were staying for just yeah. one night. So go to a particular area, wherever it may be in the world, say, I want to spend some time here and live there for a week. Immerse yourself and ride the roads. Nice. Good and I, I can say we explored different restaurants, we gassed up our bikes, we visited the stores. I didn't have a single negative experience in Canatsay with hoteliers, with shopkeepers, with gas station attendants, with barkeepers, and I behaved quite badly on a number of occasions. I was going to say, <laughs> you did get pulled over. Wait, oh, yeah. Oh, my. Well, no. There's a story. No, well, no, the red, the glass of wine, that was uh, the topper. Look, oh, Emma, that was on the first night. Emma did tell me when I she got back. I have the best picture of that. Emma, Emma did say, well, you know, I did get arrested. I'm like, what? <laughs> now, detained, Emma, darling, detained. Well, you said arrested, but you are a bit of a storyteller. So what exactly did you do to be detained? Well, so the day started off like any other. Um, hearty breakfast. And we were doing... I can't remember what we were doing that day. It was one of, it was one of the high passes. Okay, I think you were probably doing oh. Twisted Core. Henry, I do, think, you, do you have a picture of this? You just might. Oh, evidence. Think, I think we were doing. Uh, oh, is this how how the detainment got started with you with a glass of wine in your hand? Oh, oh no. no! I snuck oh. I snuck that out of the restaurant in my oh, purse. My Let God. me see. No wonder they pulled you over. Classic. No, we were having Gee. a fed this this great Italian meal. The the waiter hardly spoke a lick of English, but it was great because we we finished up, and. Yep, there's the shot. It, literally, we finish up, we pay the bill, we walk out the door, and as soon as we get into the parking lot, Emma just pulls out the glass of wine out of her purse. And it, was, it was a classic Emma moment. It's just so beautiful. Well, no, having paid for a bottle of wine, there was no way I was going to waste it. So anyway, um, so the day started off like any other. 
um, a hearty breakfast and then a ride up to uh, 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 the core. Um, and there was this ice cream truck, you see. So when you ride up these mountain passes... When you ride up these mountain passes... Okay, hold on. First we started with... You walked just, out of will, the will you just, Now we're at an ice cream place? Yes, no, there's an ice cream oh truck. God. This is this the is, next day. So, day. so when you ride up these mountain passes and you get to the very peak, there's usually a little store where you can sit down, you can have um, coffee, you can sit out. If it's more elaborate, you can get a bowl of goulash and some bread. You know, hearty fare for people who are traveling. And occasionally they'll have a little freezer with some ice cream in it. Very good ice cream. Which, of course, the ice cream doesn't get there by magic. There is a truck which has ice cream in it. So there's this ice cream truck, you see. And he's climbing. And it's quite a big truck. And, you know, it's doing about 30 miles an hour. And I wasn't having any part of that at all because it was a nice road. And so I overtook him. And I may have taken a bit of a risk overtaking him. And I will, I am the first to put my hand up and said, I may have been reckless overtaking the ice cream truck. <laughs> However, he overreacted. There was a lot of action from the horn and waving of fists out the window. And the good humor man became the bad humor man very, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I disappeared off into the sunset, as it were, being followed by the rest of the gold team who were laughing at me the gold members the gold members gold victor <laughs> one two and three who were laughing at me having cut up the ice cream truck anyway so we get up to the top and we're all ha 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 and he pulls in and he look he still looks angry oh shit so i had to hide <laughs> so i so i hid behind a bmw station wagon because i'm brave you, i just got to get this picture were you crouching down yes i was crouching yeah, down because you could see him looking because okay. the good thing about my bike it was quite a nondescript looking bike it was just gray but of course i was wearing my le yellow leather jacket mm -hmm. Mm. And I had the the Simpson with the black visor on. Right. Such a thug. It's yes. like the total Mad Max helmet. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I was hiding behind the BMW station wagon, and he lost interest, and he went about his business. So anyway, so we drop down the other side, and we drop into this little town, and there are two police cars kind of forming a V in the road, and they're letting cars through, they're letting cars through. And I'm the leader of Gold Squadron, and we had about four or five bikes in our squadron by this time, and he points at me and, mm. and points to the side of the road. Okay. And he's pointing, and he had this stick. Yeah, it's, it's an elongated ping-pong paddle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, with a round thing at the end of it. Mm. Uh, light, yeah. Yeah, and he's waving it in my face, get over there. <laughs> so um, I park over there, and then I noticed that the rest of my team, that he's not interested in them, he's interested in me, mm. which I was very dismayed by. Well, you know, it's your outfit. You're just so well, gorgeous just, and all. It, Yes, exactly. And I mean, I think he thought he'd got a thug, but <laughs> clearly he hadn't. So anyway. Um, just imagining the look on his face when you pulled off your helmet. Well, he Hello. Well, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. So he started talking to me in Italian. And, of course, that wasn't flying. And so he walked around the back of the bike, and then he started talking to me in German. I don't know. License. License. He wanted my license. So I gave him my license, and he looked at it, and you could see his eyebrows go up. And I thought, what's it? And then pointed to the helmet. And by this, hand on the shoulder, you know, this, this was hand on the shoulder stuff. And I said to the guys, because they were... 
the rest of Gold Squadron were in a parking lot hiding <laughs> across the street That's waiting for me. Yeah, my buddies. <laughs> and I said, hang on, guys. I think I'm being arrested. You know, hand on the shoulder stuff. So I, helmet. So I take my helmet off and you could see him was crushed. He thought he'd got this l- sort of young German thug and he'd got like a 60-year-old California grandma and it's like, hello, can I, ma- can I make you a cup of tea or knit you a sweater? And so he's like, is it your bike? And I go, no, it's a rental, look. And I pointed BTS rental on the gas tank and he sort of kicked the rear tyre and sort of looked over it and he kind of lost interest then. He just sort of waved me. And I'm like, am I good? No, it's, he lost interest because w- what this is, and this happens from time there to time. There you go. This happens from time to time in the Alps is if, if you've done something bad in Bologna or Milano or something, you get sent on shit detail as a police officer and you get sent to the Alps where you're supposed to try to bust people for any type of violation you can possibly find. It's not. It's never for speeding. What they're trying to get you for is like any problem with your paperwork, any illegal modifications you might have done with your bike and that's why he was upset mm. that there was a rental because it was a rental uh, there was no illegal modifications on the bike so he right. couldn't bust you yeah. anything there so then he probably wanted then to go through every little scrap of paper that you had which he did yep and so we're gonna go back to the ice cream truck you see i thought at the time that it was my bad behavior with the ice cream truck. And they were probably related. You know, it was his brother-in-law or something. And he called it down. There's this hooligan in the yellow leather jacket. Cut me off and you must pull him over. But no, it's absolutely right. And what it dovetails back to, when you do a Leo Escapes tour, you are bombarded with emails from Nancy who's saying, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And you have two choices. You can either roll your eyes and go, oh, bloody hell. Or you can actually comply and provide her with what she needs. I recommend the latter because every single piece of paperwork that Nancy made sure that I had, that policeman looked at. Mm-hmm. In detail. If you hadn't had that international driver's no, permit, he would have, he would he would have, have given it. you a 375 euro ticket on the spot. Or worse, because, you know, I have been known to cut up rough with policemen in the past, he would have carted me off to the local jail kicking and screaming. So, um, there you are then. So, I was detained. <laughs> I was detained by the bogeymen. <laughs> it was quite exciting, actually. I must admit, because the blue lights were flashing and everything. It was, it was fantastic. Wait, he turned on the lights for it. I thought it was oh, yes. a ping pong pedal. No, he, he had the lights going oh, and everything. Wow. And um, I can't remember. I think it was in an Alfa Romeo. It was quite a good car. They're very sexy police vehicles. It was like white with this diagonal stripe on the door. And there was, um, yeah, it was all, it was, it was, very exciting. Well, Liza, do you have any? Do you have yes, any, he said that. Do, do you have any questions? I, I was actually going to invite invite Henry or, or Patrick to to tell us something that they well, learned on the tour. Well, yeah, we can get to that. Or yeah. I was going to say, maybe we should get to our game first. Oh, you have a game. I, I, I do oh, have a game. Jesus Christ! You know what the game is called? <laughs> Mamma mia! Oh, oh no. <laughs> Mamma mia, here I go again. Fucking so, save me. I got a game for you guys because I figured all this time you spent there, you must have saw seen a lot of pretty cool bikes there. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, in fact, there are a lot of motorcycles from Italy that aren't Ducatis or Vespas. 
That's true. And the, what is the rule, Henry, when you are overseas? Every bikes must be inspected. Every bike must be inspected. Every <laughs> single one. So I and came, judged. I came up with a game oh called Mummy, and it's because <laughs> I have I have <laughs> a list of many different Italian motorbikes. Rightio. And I'm going to read you the description. Yes. And anytime the name is mentioned, I will instead hit that. Mama. You got okay. it? Okay. Was it, you're going to read us a description of a bike. And you guys have to guess know. the bike. Oh, guess the bike? Oh, guess, sure. guess the mate oh, uh, from Emma's, the description. Emma, Emma's going to kick ass at this. So, I'm not going to know what the fuck's going here's on. How, this game is it's Cat, Patrick, Henry, and Bagel versus Emma. Oh, fuck. <laughs> She's right. still going to win because she knows the bike. No, I, I mean, don't know all the bikes. And again, right. it's... Everything that isn't a Ducati or a Vespa. Is, is one of them a Laverda Lesmo? Oh. So let's just get to <laughs> the sounds, sounds like a sexual position. <laughs> no, it's, okay. a, it's an actual thing. All right. So our first bike <laughs> was born in 1966 in Rimini. In mm. the 90s, it produced street motorcycles with Ducati and Yamaha engines. Okay. Then definitively replace them with Suzuki. Okay, how do we answer this? Just shout out the answer. Kajiva. The motorcycles of this Italian company stood out for their top level build quality. Bimota. That is correct. Oh, but it wasn't. It was the, when yeah, did you say they started? 1966. Oh, yes. they weren't in Romini. Kajiva's yes. not in Romini. Bimota. Well, I was going to say, but Bimota switched over to Ducati engines in the late 90s. All right. Yeah, but Kajiva also had Ducati engines. The, the as key well. is in the name. They had Ducati and Yamaha engines and then okay. went over to Suzuki. Right. So the key is in the name. If you see a Bimota, it'll say a KB1, mm-hmm. Kawasaki based one, yeah. SB2, Suzuki Su- based two, H. DB3, Ducati right. based. Okay, you guys ready for the next one? Laverda Lesmo. The birth of <laughs> dates back to 1930 when the founder Antonio. Decided to open his own workshop for the repair and resale of bicycles in Bologna. Has always been synonymous with sportiness, a feature present on all models since the beginning of their production after World War II. The first mopeds were the Express and Express Sport of the late 1950s, which actually anticipated the production of the 1960s mainly focused on 50cc mopeds today italjet produces a wide range of scooter models from 50cc to 500cc aprilia five 50cc motorcycles in enduro supermoto and naked versions and models for children including a quad not italjet it's aprilia no, no. piaggio nope well piaggio makes all the scooters and this goes gilera no Benelli. Malaguti. Oh, well, it's got to be those. Gosh. All right. You guys ready for the next one? Yes. Okay. Was founded in Varese. Is it Varese? Varese? And Via Gusta. In 1950, by two brothers. Initially, it was a company dedicated to the molding of small metal parts. Malaguti. they entered the racing world. Let's see. They entered the racing world since 1978 with the Suzuki 500 at the French GP in 1978. Fully enters the history of motorcycles. It will take over the plant where the Aramaki and then the AMF were produced. Kagiva. That is correct. Hmm. 
The Elephant. The Elephant. Yeah, I miss the Elephant. That was a cool okay. bike. It was, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. And you know, the Kagiva brand, it was a little baby elephant. Yeah. It was a lovely little thing. Okay. Yes. The next one. <laughs> is an Italian motorcycle company founded in 1960 in Bologna. Did I do this one? No, I didn't do this one. No. After it's all in value suspending motorcycle production at the beginning of the 2000s, limiting itself to the production of electric bicycles and pedal-assisted bicycles, production resumed in November of 2020. We have reached the current scooters and small mopeds from the first old-style models, medium displacement for the right synthesis of design, performance, in November 2020, the production of motorcycles restarts with a new generation of dragster. A totally new, that Top is jet. correct. Oh, yeah. Bagel, I was waiting for you to Fuck. jump in there. Come on. That's yeah, got to be. Bagel, you know out. what? That has to be the coolest scooter of all. It is pretty wild. Taljet dragster. Okay. Yeah. All right. Coming up next. Is a historic brand of Italian motorcycles, and its history dates back to the years of the First World War. Motor Guzzi. That is correct. Ooh. The most venerable brand. Let's see. That's good. Well done, Henry. All right. All right. It's like I have two of them in my garage. Yes. <laughs> well, if you weren't able to answer but that, it, it's, it's like the it's like the bike for Italian engineers and nerds. It's it's kind of quirky, but it's it's lovable. Yes. Okay. Ready? All right. So this one. Is another famous brand that was born in 1911 by the will of the widow from a repair shop opened in Pizarro in 1920. They first came out with a 75cc prototype, which will then reach 98ccs in the starting series production. Was closely linked to competitions, both national and worldwide. Unfortunately, in 1988... Closed the factory, and the two attempts in 1989 and 1995 to revive the brand did not give the desired results. In 2005, the final closure took place. Today, it belongs to a Chinese group. Benelli. Benelli. Yes. Who said that first? Mm. All right. It's the only one I remember. Group two. Okay, let's do this one. It's kind of odd because Benelli produces fabulous guns. And you know, you can still buy a BSA gun. Really? really? Yes, you can still buy a BSA airgun. They they run completely autonomously. It it there's no relation between mm. Benelli shotguns and Benelli bikes and you know BSA guns. Yeah, what's well, like it's like Honda and all their different divisions. Right, right. exactly. It's like you know you can buy a Honda lawnmower or. You know. yeah. When are we going to get? Right, we're going to do two more. <laughs> when are we going to get to the Laverda Lesnar? <laughs> we're going to get two more. All right, the. Do you have to is do a that symbol every of time? Italian yes, engineering does. produced by Innocente in Milan. A Lambretta. That is correct. Well done, Bagel. <laughs> you see, it's Scooter already. Yes. Yeah, that's why I wanted that one. All right, we're going to do one more. Let's make this one hard, shall we? Oh, she said hard. I like this one. El okay. Cor. Is an Italian motorcycle manufacturer founded in 1937 by Alfonso. A pilot and designer who established his starting point in Bologna for an initial production that included engines and three wheelers. All right, well, it's not gas gas. A brand, a brand that, after various events, is back on the road with new models that have all the numbers to revive the glories of the past. And Via Gusta? When the. Mamma mia! 
350cc was a must for many young motorcyclists on Italian roads. Among its iconic models, we remember the Corsaro, flanked by the Scrambler and the Grand Passo. In 2018, became part of the Chinese Zongzhen Vehicle Group. SWM? <laughs> nope. Mm. And I know of two in this town, two, but we don't call them 350s. Moto Marini. We would call them three and a halves. Oh, okay. Moto Marini. All right. Very good. Henry. Henry. Another right. part of the Zhongshan group. Yes. Oh, oh, wait. That yeah. means Emma got three and the B team got four for the win. <laughs> there you go. Only because nobody got Malaguti. That would have been your chance to tie it up. So well, no, never mind. N- no Aprilia. I'm crushed. No gas gas. Aprilia started in 1945 by producing bicycles. But uh, when do we get to the Laverda Lesmo? No, I didn't have every single one. There are others I didn't okay. I didn't include. I just shortened the game but, up for you. But I'd have won eventually. <laughs> it's true. All right, should we do one more? You want to see if you can get this one? Oh, God. Okay. Let's see. Uh oh. All right, hold on. All right. I'm touching too many things over here. All right. So this company As is usually the case. This, wash your hands. Okay, next ready? Time. Everyone pay attention. This company is the oldest Italian motorcycle manufacturer still in business. Gilera. That is correct. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's one of the oldest Italian motorcycle brands. So the thing I found that was interesting, how many of these came from Bologna? Yes. And yes. how old so many of these companies there's are? A, there's a reason for this. And I think it's it's a unique aspect of Italian culture. This could only happen in Italy because the Valley of Speed is where Ferrari, Lamborghini, Pisani, Ducati, all of these crazy creations dedicated to speed and performance married together with art. Where else in the world could you get a bunch of small companies that just exists to serve this market. Something else they all have in common. You can often hear this. It's very true. In all oh, God. It. It's still you. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, um, back in the day, <laughs> Birmingham, my hometown, was where everything motorcycle-related was made. And, yes, I know Vincent's, and, yes, I know AJS's match lists were made, you know, in Stevenage and London, respectively. But... The number of manufacturers in Birmingham was amazing. And for, you know, similar reasons, Birmingham is very centrally located. And so it was easy to get the steel from Sheffield. And, of course, being a big city, there was always a lot of skilled labor at hand to actually assemble these things. And then because Birmingham's in the middle, you could send them all over the country or, indeed, all over the world. So... Tra-la-la. So I want to get back to what Kat, you were asking uh, for Henry and Patrick. Yeah, Henry and Patrick are just name something you, that, that, that you yeah. learned and then well, just, we can keep on going on and on forever about the tour, but I should probably f- uh, mention the, what, what sort of the plans for the future are, what we're thinking about, uh, and also what I have left for this year. So what did you guys learn? Okay, they're just full of overflowing with information. <laughs> so like, oh shit, I'm on the spot. Learn that would, these bikes go fast. I would say just use common. I mean, just use common sense. Uh, I've already learned don't overtake an ice cream truck. There's no such thing as common sense, though. <laughs> but 
just just think about things Thank essentially you. just fucking think things through because so a big problem that we were having i was in rogue squad a uh, big problem <laughs> we were having was with our gps units um i don't know what was is, going on is this how you got lost many yes. times <laughs> oh many times now yes so wow. we did so we did a quick little trip quick little side we did a Stelvio pass and we kept on having to pull over and reevaluate the GPSs because literally all three of our GPSs would be saying something different. So we didn't know which one was exactly right, but it's just, you know, get your bearings together, keep your keep your mind, you know, just keep your mind straight and just think about things logically and just carry on forward uh, with that. I mean, it's it's totally fine to just, you know, just guess and shoot in the dark and hope it you know, hope Getting lost is okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and like I said, I find many adventures come from getting lost. Open yourself to adventures, and then you know things will sort oh, it out. I'm a big fan of the of, of embrace the adventure. Um, but Henry's got a point. You know, you 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 can't. The GPS is is not is not an, a dictator. It's a guide. And those waypoints that are in the GPS, you're supposed to get there. Probably the reason that you're getting three different indicators is each GPS had a slightly different setting. Like one GPS was trying to avoid highways at all yeah. costs. Another one was trying to avoid toll roads. Probably little futzes like that. But in the end, they all have to take you to the next waypoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although it was a little annoying when we were coming back on Munich and I'm leading the ride and my GPS is telling me to go through the fucking mountain pass mm-hmm. when I know I'm supposed to be on the Autobahn. That was a little. That was a little frustrating. Okay. I got to say. But here's the rub, Henry. Do you feel that your riding has improved post trip? Absolutely. There I'm, you go. It, yeah. I'm way faster. Now. <laughs> so I, I have a question for you, Kat. Yeah. What lesson were you hoping they came away with? That they can do this. Okay. That they could. They could conceive. Of, the only problem about doing it on your own is that you won't have the joy of sharing it with us and that's a very very valid point because you know it goes back to the thing the greatest prize in motorcycling for me is riding with your friends but i'll expand that further when you've actually got a headset and a good (laughs) quality headset so you can actually communicate with people and cat uses very very high quality chatterboxes which are not bluetooth they're actually radio. Although there was some radio interference we did right. get sometimes. But a little bit. But usually channels. you could change channels and get rid of it. Yeah. Um, but when you're actually in communication with your group and you're riding with your friends and you just turn around and you present it and you're like, oh, shit, look at this. It's wonderful to share. It really is the best part. But absolutely, Kat. I mean, I used to travel extensively in Europe, but this isn't something I've done for 25 years. Could I go back and duplicate that trip tomorrow without any help from you? Yes, I could. The trip was that good. Good. And use public transport. I could land at Munich Airport. I could know which train to get on. I could know which tube to get on, know which station to get off. So I'll pick up on this. This is the thing that I learned from this trip. Ah, you did learn something. The shocking ease of how it easy it is to travel in europe right like ah. here i am i've i've traveled you know to canada mexico whatever like canada is it's a joke right it's it's just north america it's the same thing but like europe is like okay i'm in a place i don't know the language is there's multiple languages like there's a little bit of travel anxiety 
So I, I landed in Munich. I didn't get the luxury of someone meeting me at the airport. And it was like I had gotten there and everybody was going to dinner. I was like, pick up a taxi, find the hotel. Okay, fine. I went to the guy to the taxi and as you know, Spreckensy is English? Spreckensy <laughs> English? English. Nope. Nope. <laughs> he takes my phone out of my hand, <laughs> looks at it. Because I had the hotel on it, throws it in the front seat of his car and says, "Get in the car." <laughs> <We take him. laughs> right on. Like, no, this is how we're doing this, I guess. Yeah. Like, but like everything about it was just so easy. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like I can get anywhere I want. I learned Dave. Dave taught me how to look at the subway in like five minutes flat. And I was like, easiest thing I've ever. I was seen gonna in my say. Life. So I've never done public transportation ever in my life. Yeah. But within an hour in the uh, Munich uh, metro, I figured it out. And that's the thing. Like, I've done public transportation for years. And I was like, I've never seen it easier to figure it out. It's always on time. It's always there. It's so simple. But, like, just traveling anywhere, it's simple. Figuring your way around is so simple. It's like, why have I not done this before? And it's like, now it's like, I could go back and do this, like, tomorrow without a hesitation. And it's like, when I was there, I was like... Why the fuck did I not stay and for an extra week? I could easily so stay for an extra week. Would you go week. back? In a heartbeat. Yeah, and Patrick, that was your first time outside the continent of the United States, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. First As time a- first time overseas. And like here's me, like I don't mind flying, but I, I hate flying like more than three hours in an airplane. Right. I'm like, just kill me. But then like <laughs> and there we are eleven hours. On Lufthansa, yeah. It was like eleven hours. It's like this is actually not that bad. Because but, it's a much better flight experience. But guess what? It's the same on British Airways. Yeah. It's the same on well, Alitalia is gone now. Right, but I, it's the same on KLM. It's the same on all the major airlines. Yeah. And Kat, you said it like right we were hadn't even left the damn hotel in Munich and you're like, if you want to do this what cheap? If you have you have all the time in the world, you want to do it cheap, get a bike here and spend up like a month here or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, and, I got and guys. If, if you've got if you've got money to do it and you don't have a lot of time, come for a tour. Yeah. And it's like I'm sitting there and it's like we haven't even left the hotel. I was like, oh hell, I could spend a month or two here with no yeah. problem. It's mm-hmm. not that difficult. So right. is would would Emma would you make this a yearly trip? Oh, I'm gonna. It's as oh. simple as that, with or without cat. This is going to be an annual thing, and I'd like to do it with Kat because I think there's value in us working together. I think Kat is incredibly strong in some areas. I'm incredibly strong in other ones. I think we make a wonderful team. And I think as long as we keep an eye on value and making sure that we give good bang for a buck for all just ordinary working boys and girls who may be haven't got a great deal of money to spend for a high-end tour, but have got sufficient money, kind of clunky used bike money. If we can do a a 10-day European tour for kind of used bike money, I think we're on the right path. Mm. And I think with a little Mm. bit of tweaking, we could really make something of this. And I made a promise to you, Kat. I said, Mm. if, and we'll talk about this some more, but if we make this an annual thing, I'll brush up on my German because I used to be quite fluent, actually. Yeah. And I'll sure. pick up on my Italian a little bit. And we can we can work and just kind of really make it the, this superb experience. The, I didn't go lower end on anything no, in and terms you didn't, of you, the hotels are the exact same hotels I used for my more upscale tours. What was taken away was the support, the guiding. 
the hand-holding. Mm-hmm. And once you learn how to do these things on your own, you discover you don't need it. Right. And it's actually kind of fun to like, it was great for me in the parking lot to go, and there they go. And I won't mm-hmm. see them until what, we get to the What did show. you do every day, Kat? Um, I, I had my own squadron. We sort of, we, uh. the, main, the, main, the main reason Wait, I what, put- what was your squadron called? Pickle squadron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. And he's actually so got, got a pickle squadron um, emblem on his leather so jacket. We got the golden squad, <laughs> oh, the what, rogue, rogue squad, and the pickle was and there. And, there's, and um, there was red and blue, red and blue. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. do people get to pick their own names? No, no. Oh, oh, you you pick the squadron, and so that you was that was an squadron. interesting component yeah. too, because it's like when you like blue, oh gold. pick pick your hold squadron, it's blue. like. I don't know these people. I've never met most of these people. I have no idea what they're riding. They're motorcycle is. riders. Okay, I just and it's like, know. well, yeah, and yeah. it's yes. like, well, you just kind of pick a squadron and hope you're in the right one. But it's mm-hmm. you can always switch your squadrons. But red, too. blue, gold, rogue, say, and pickle. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, so yeah, you that's hope no what happened. <laughs> no, no. But obviously, obviously, I'm sure, I'm sure, a couple of people have already figured it out that the that the colored the colored ones were all Star Wars based. Right. No, I hadn't figured that out. Okay. It, it took us about thirty seconds once we got yeah, started and, on the day. But I mean, we um, and going, Rogue Squadron is going because. back to the beginning of the trip. We had a uh, a rider meeting at the hotel in Munich where everybody was set up with their communicators, and and Cat did the speech about the hotel, and I did a little speech, and it it's basically, guys, please ride safely. I want everyone to finish the trip and see their faces but if you need anything there's cat mm-hmm. there's me come to us if you need anything but you're not going to need to and, well, and nobody was, needed to come and say oh and this happened or this the, happened this. the impressive part of this trip you've got 24 odd people from all over the country all over not the world one accident not one crash nothing right. No we all, we all got there and we all came back. No fights, no disagreements. Mm-hmm. It was a very cohesive group of people, just absolutely delightful people. They're motorcycle riders. Right, like exactly. And, and we have a common language right out the gate. It's yep. like, yeah, right. we're talking about bikes. And, right. you know, it's. I would like to say publicly what an absolute honor it was riding with everyone it was right. it was a superb experience i was gonna say i want to give a special shout out to the rogue squad krista and timo and ed when he joined us for the stelvio pass because his because he fucking saved us when we got lost at the end <laughs> and the road was closed and he had to pull out his phone and put on the ram mount put it on a ram mount he brought and navigate us through the rain in the middle of the Alps in a thunderstorm in the get, middle of the night wow. in the middle of the night to get us back <laughs> oh. to the hotel. <clears throat> right, what's your question, Lonnie? So I have a question. There's something that I love almost as much as motorcycles that I I, I saw that you got to partake in, and that would be meat. Tell me oh. about the meat. Oh, there, there's, a, there's a meat guy, right? There is a meat guy. There's a, there's, I want to know about yeah, the meat guy. The meat guy. The meat, no, literally, this is Silvano. Silvano is the the uncle of Julia, the 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 brother of Tiziana. Uh, basically, it's a family, and this family of theirs has been running hotels and restaurants for generations. I think uh, Julia is like the fifth generation. Right. They've been they've been do, they've been living there, and Silvano. He's very much a character. He prides himself in preparing a good restaurant by finding the right people and i call him the pimp of meat <laughs> oh by fuck because the dude the dude dresses the dude dresses like a pimp and he knows his fucking meat and <laughs> and he has a restaurant 
Uh, which one? Uh, you made it up there, Patrick. I was up there. You, pa- okay, like, pa- Patrick. And it, Patrick went and he saw Frederola. Frederola is is a is a fine meat restaurant with not just a view; it's the view. I it it blew me away. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Like it's three sixty all around in the Alps, and you mm-hmm. it, there's nothing like it in the world. This restaurant wow. is not in the Alps; it's on top of the Alps. Mm-hmm. And nice. Silvano knows how to make a great dinner based on meat. And I should point out that I desperately wanted to go, but um, one of the one of the group, dear Dave, wanted to get a tattoo in and the next town. We saw we saw you when we were going up. Yeah, it was like, and there they down. go. We <laughs> totally saw you coming yeah, back. Down. You were we were giving ass. yeah, we were giving it the beans. Yes, you were. Yeah, we were too on a van. <laughs> yeah. However, um, we just missed it, but. It's um, all right. You'll go next year. Exactly. I'll go next year. But let me tell you about this guy, Salt Bay. I don't know whether you know who that clown is. No. He's got mm-hmm. nothing on this guy. <laughs> this guy, Salt Bay, he thinks he's the meat guy. He's yeah. he's a very famous, you know, flamboyant meat guy. And um, what was the what was his Silvano? name? Fred Silvano. Very much into American culture, and there's something I want to actually talk about. About the way Europeans approach Americans, because there's a lot of anxiety. I heard a lot of anxiety in the days leading up to my trip, mostly <laughs> from people who've never been outside America, and they say, oh, they're going to hate us. And there's a variety of reasons for that, none of which I'm going to get into. Right. But there's this pervasive thought that, oh, yeah, Europeans hate us. Because we're I loud, we're coarse, we're obnoxious. I can't imagine why, maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> they know we're terrible sometimes. Uh, Susie, there's a lady in the parking lot with a wine glass in her purse. <laughs> let me tell you something right now. Every interaction I had with a European on that trip was of the highest order. They absolutely love us here. Well, and they, while they, they don't embrace necessarily American culture, they adore door hollywood culture they, they love us except it was funny the the woman in the hotel in munich she her and i got into a conversation she's like why the fuck are your speed limits so low in america right. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a good question oh wait I don't, don't know <laughs> don't get us started on this fucking speed cameras <laughs> like they're awful in all of the fucking cute little towns right but i'm getting popped i want to make it clear they absolutely love the whole kind of Hollywood American culture out there it's it's got it's a great experience for Americans it really is all you need to do is be a little bit humble well and be very open-minded too. be open-minded yeah. don't be loud and obnoxious but you know we're walking through the streets of Munich and oh here come the Americans and it's it's just it's wonderful no as soon we as you guys get great... into the subway everybody knows you're Americans yeah <laughs> yeah no they did we got some no, trust, at okay, the airport they no know. no it's at the subway because because for the most part Americans wherever they go in the world they speak at double volume right yeah and the whole yeah. world knows it yeah. Plus, you can also, when you're here on the flip side, you can tell the Europeans because they have very fashionable shoes. Yep. Oh, it's all about the yes. footwear, darling. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I always check the shoes. The Americans will be wearing whatever is I was going to say, that's the giveaway is that the Americans wear sandals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, if, if you want to find the American tourist in Rome, it's easy. He's the dude who's wearing a dirty T-shirt, board shorts, and flip-flops, and mm-hmm. a day pack that's just stuffed with stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and yeah. probably fat. But but the um, <laughs> it it really was a wonderful experience. The only downside to me is every night since I got back, I dream about those roads, oh. and it's hard mm. because I know they're still there. Right now, <laughs> literally right now, it is. 11.30 on the Stelvio Pass, and I know some guy is stuffing a high-performance bike around those turns, and it ain't me, and it's absolutely breaking my heart because I really want to be there again. So um, wrapping this up, I want to ask yeah. each of you, including Kat, because yes. every trip is a new trip with a new group. Yes. Uh, I want to ask each of you what would be one of the highlights of this trip, the thing that really was one of your favorite moments. Um, geez, for me was probably the last, the last day knowing that things had mostly worked. You know, I got people through Bolsano. It was really tough. I had to get 20 bikes through Bolsano. I knew that was going to be a challenge. Oh, that was entertaining as yeah. hell. Yeah. Yeah. That, you, wait, there honestly, was how many of you guys? Wait, yeah. That's, that's another, that's actually you, another story. You missed the dancing. Because I kept them entertained. I've got video of that. Oh, God. Yeah. But really, it was it was lunch. For me, the highlight was pulling into Timmelsjoch and knowing that I was just about to turn loose Emma into one of the best motorcycle museums in Europe. Oh. And it's like, we've mm. made it here. We've made it this far. The trip has gone well. And here's the icing on the cake. And Emma's just going to... I'm turning her loose inside this motorcycle. And museum. every single person asked me, what was your favorite bike in that museum? <laughs> and it was... Number one. It was the, the thing very that, first the one. thing made out of wood. It was crazy. Yeah, what the Daimler. Oh. The 1884 Daimler. The wow. very first ah. bike. Wow. Nice. And there's no question. So I mean, is this the it, highlight it, of, of the trip for you? No, I mean, the, the whole trip. When something is, is such a good experience and such an unexpected experience, um, it's really hard to pin down a highlight. Riding, riding with my friends is always going to be a highlight. And it's, it's, funnily enough, that ride back from the tattoo parlor yeah. <laughs> with just me and Dave <laughs> and he, he had his programming on. I, n I never figured out how to program the F900 and he got 47 degrees. Out of, an, out of a GS on the way back, on a lean angle, which is just ridiculous. We, wow. we had just this ridiculous ride back, and we had a very, very nice dinner, and just, you know, a real nice heart-to-heart -heart talk, just me and Dave about life in general, and, you know, very sort of um, candid talk about our lives and who we were and where we were going. And, you know, just that that was nice, and it was just... Almost this ridiculous notion of, of two Americans halfway around the world talking to each other. And we'd never met before, but we knew each other very well because we both love motorbikes. But that's, it's just one example. It's the whole experience from the moment I got off that plane and met Kat until, you know, we ended up back in Monterey. It was just a superb experience. It really was. And I don't want to come across all weird and gushy about it. It was just friggin' brilliant. So 
Patrick, for you, what was one of your highlight moments? I, I think for me, and I, I said this to some other people too, the highlight, like, I mean, everything was great. The people were the best. But, like, the one thing that just really, like, just tickled me the right way was, like, it was the second or third day in the Alps. And, like, we were working on hairpins and all this stuff. And, and Kevin was behind me. And next thing I know, I'm looking behind me, and he's right on my ass in the middle of a hairpin. Like he's really right up my ass, and I'm like, "Get at it, man!" Like, and it just it just did something for me. It's like it was so good to watch that happen. Um, you know, it's like just watching other people get faster and better. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't claim to be a great rider. I'm like I'm a decent rider. But watching other people be better and better and better, it just does something. So I'm going to ask you the same question, Patrick. Post-trip, has your riding improved? (laughs) It's getting really good. It's, it's, well, as I said to Kat earlier, is like I'm... I'm pissed at the roads here in the states mm. because, like, I yep. want to go faster and I just can't. I was going to say that shit. I that was a learning and, experience and the for me. Is shit, but the yep. shit in the roads. Before but my yes. my riding has gotten better because it's like okay, I can go to unfamiliar roads, which right. these were completely unfamiliar roads, and I can go out a turn with a plan, and I can go at it with the right approach and the trail breaking and all this stuff, and I can rip through a turn and not be afraid that I'm going to run super wide on the other side. Right. Like, I feel way more confident on my own bikes now. Right. Nice. And I'm having, w- I'm having way more fun on them now than I was, you know, three weeks ago. And I want to make something absolutely clear before everyone thinks, oh, you know, everyone's being down on America. This area of the Dolomites, and the same applies in the Alps, and the same applies various parts in Europe. People come from all over the world to ride motorbikes and drive cars on these roads. And the city and the counties know it. They have tons of tourist money coming in. It's a guaranteed income. They maintain these roads within an inch of their lives. Oh, we we saw that. Like the road that got closed mm-hmm. and the next morning we went through that road and they were doing maintenance on it and right. repaving it and I was like, nice. Exactly. <laughs> they, they had half the road paved yeah. too. Yeah. So it's it <laughs> they know that people are coming from all over the world to ride these roads, which is why they're so highly maintained. If you go to some of the far less popular areas, you would find roads that are a little well, similar less to what's here. Similar yeah. to to what's here, yeah. you know. Um, high to be fair is Highway One. When you start getting down towards Big Sur and down towards Gorda and Ragged Point, is a very well maintained road. When it doesn't it, fall, well, yeah. but that's <laughs> not entirely well, the road's fault. They had, but they it has to make a new one. Yeah, <laughs> it is a very well maintained road because it's tourist money. And they yeah. know it. And so you've got to compare apples with apples. It's not yeah. like the roads, no, all the roads true. in Italy are great and all the oh, roads no. in America are terrible. Because uh-huh. we, we ran into some shit tarmac too. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Henry. Yeah, some of the. Yes. Well, how about you? What's your takeaway? What's your big memory from this? I'm going to echo uh, Emma here. And I would say it's the uh, people. Like, just hanging out in the hotel, drinking beer with a bunch of strangers and just getting to know them. And then with the more intimate team, with my more intimate team, with uh, Krista and Timo and Ed, it was just 
a fucking blast on the bike and off the bike. You know, we were going fast and they were able to keep up with me. And then we would just have a fucking great time just talking and bullshitting and just laying on jokes with each other and, you know, also getting to know each other as well. It was really good. That's great. So, Kat, mm-hmm. do you have any more trips? I know they're not going to be as wonderful as this. Oh, well, it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I've I've got some very specialized trips. I'm doing Corsica and Sardinia uh, in a few weeks, uh, and I still have three spots left for the most plush tour that we've got: uh, the Spanish Pyrenees and Aragon. It's three days, three days on Aragon, which is an absolutely massive circuit. Uh, but you know, of course, people have seen that on MotoGP. But really, the big plus on this one is the sport touring in the Pyrenees, which is absolutely fabulous uh just as good a roads as you get in the dolomites not as picturesque scenery but the big plus on the pyrenees is there's nobody there mm. it's, mm. it's traffic free so it's and they really make cool boring. dogs <laughs> <laughs> yeah the dog assembly line right. runs night mm-hmm. and day right right the well, so. the they're one... starting to run out of hair though especially yeah. the white one so um my um my question to everyone listening right now is should we redo a trip in 2023 around the same time? I think it's a great time of year, Cap. Yeah, no, there's no doubt I'll, I'll, I'll offer this trip uh, for you guys if you want for a motorcycle. So if you're interested, trip. let us know now mm-hmm. because, I mean, yes, there please. is a minimum threshold for people. Mm-hmm. So if you could do a, a tentative inquiry... As far as cost goes, because I kind of broke it down, and I think a reality is, including flights, unless the cost of flights go absolutely bananas, for the flight, for the hotel, for the motorcycle, for the gasoline, for the booze, for the food, basically every single penny you can spend as long as you're reasonably careful, you can do it for five grand. Yeah. Do you get a discount rate if you don't drink alcohol? Well, you're going to o- save obviously money. Obviously, you'll save tons <laughs> oh, of money. It's But I think you could do the whole thing. If you save up five grand, you're oh, easily, golden. Yeah. Easily. No, you can yeah. come back with, with some nifty little, little gifts as well. Exactly. The only changes I'll make, I think, next year um, is I will visit various different groups i'll probably separate everybody into groups and then i will just float between groups the big difference i noticed between some groups who were doing well and other groups who were having problems was the uh, level of communication and how well people were working together as a team and that's one thing that gold squadron actually you guys did really well and people think oh you know it's the fast group's going to make it to the hotel you know, before anyone else, it's not true. It Oftentimes, con- it's the slow group that gets it was the consistently goal first. Gold Squadron, and the method we used, m- the major communication was between me in front as leader and Dave at the back, yep. and Dave's calling out the lefts and rights, and I've got the same display, and I'm just confirming, and he'd say right turn, six hundred mm-hmm. clicks, and I'm like, got you, ten four. And then I know. And then he'd call out the speed cameras or I would call out the speed cameras. <laughs> and then the people in the middle were just listening. But that's the key. The more you communicate, and it actually adds to the trip. It's not distracting. It doesn't take away from it. It actually adds to it. 
Right. Um, but that's only possible with the chatterbox units. Right, exactly. I mean, it's a very, very high yeah. quality. Yeah, Bluetooth at, wouldn't do it. Yeah, at no stage during the whole trip did we ever feel that this was a cut-rate trip, that the hotels were cut-rate, that the food, the bikes, the communication. I mean, the, the beer was just awful. <laughs> you drank yeah, enough I drank of it. so much beer. <laughs> and, you know, even the Germans were like, really, another one? <laughs> yes. yes. And I mean, well, you, you know, think you... this is the Oktoberfest. <laughs> well, yeah. and unfortunately, that's the case. And I know I could never live in Germany or Italy again, ever, because I would end up the size of a house just based on <laughs> beer consumption alone. Well, but think about that beer consumption. Remember, for the welcome dinner, I didn't take you guys to one of the big uh, touristy beer, beer gardens. I took you guys to a local beer no. garden for two reasons. One, it's authentic, and the other reason is it's cheaper. You're getting right. the same beer, you're getting the same quality food or better uh, for a lot less money. Right. So it's a well-thought-out trip. If you are interested, and we can be fairly flexible with the dates, but basically it's going to be the end of July. Yeah, somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. Come out. If that's going to fit in with your holiday plans – You've got five grand or you can commit five grand. And I stress that's for the total trip. That's going to be including your flights, including everything. Um, just begin to let us know so we can start putting some numbers together and see if we can make it work. And, you know, the one bit of information I got back from as many people as I talked to was that Kat does a great job. So, Oh, he does a superb job. Congratulations, Cat. Um, uh, Everyone just really said you yeah, you're top of the game. So, well, fuck, mate, you've been that, doing it for long enough. You yeah, need to but be, you should be good at it by now. No, there's some people in the business who, who 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 take advantage of folks. But no, I made this tour specifically for the misfits. Nice. Well, um, I might consider going next year. I'll just say, but <laughs> will you consider getting a Vespa for Bagel? Uh, this is not really within my realm of capability. It's it's about finding somebody in Munich who's who's got a uh, Vespa that Bagel can use. Well, that, that's a harder can, thing. There, there are some places that rent them. Um, let, let's talk. Yeah. Let's see what. Yeah, I won't go on this bagel. Maybe work something out. <laughs> because I, I am still very, very interested, and and next year may be more realistic for me to make it. So, okay. Let's let's see. Well, fingers crossed. And again, I mean, we are really speculating, but theoretically, this could be an annual thing. Yeah. If the numbers work out. This could be an animal. No, if there's enough of demand, I'll, right. I'll do I'll do two of them. The other possibility is to do one in Tuscany. All right. Well, let's mm. let's talk and plan for next year. Sure. Um, an- oh, I, I didn't get it into the news earlier because my music only lasted so long and I tightened <laughs> <Yeah>. it out. <laughs> uh, but uh, there was some other big news. So you know, uh, last week the Bonneville Speed yeah. Week was canceled because there's still yep. water. On the salt flats. Oh. Well, well next week is Bonneville Motorcycle Speed Trials, and they just announced that they're canceling that, too. Oh. Yep. So no speed trials this year. And the reason this was significant is our friend Trev Richter, who's been here uh, with Aaron Sills, um, was racing. He was going to be piloting the Bub Streamliner and trying to hit 400 miles an hour. Right. Wow. So yeah. everyone was so excited. For him mm. to be getting behind the... the well, the, you yeah. know, the, the Bub Streamline has been a, a frontline campaigner now yeah. for years. It's always been the oh, big yeah. three. There's been the Bub, Easy Hawk, and Akatak. And yep. between the three of them... Um, so it's nice that they're still competitive. It's great that he's going to have a little bit more chance to heal his leg. 
Yeah. You were not talking about that. Okay. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> we're not talking about that. All right. We <clears> that was then. a secret, but okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. Yeah. He actually yeah injured his leg recently, but it was fortunately the one limb that is not used to pilot the bub streamliner. Right. <laughs> so he was still going to do it, but yeah. But we're not talking about that. Okay. We um, That's a secret. <laughs> it's just between you and me because we don't have any listeners here. No, no, no. no. Um, but we don't do have emails. A couple emails oh, yes. and they have some good questions. Uh, Bagel, if you can get yours ready, I'm going to read mm-hmm. mine because there is an update on this. So um, last week I was talking about the New York City checkpoints. If you're not familiar with these, they're creating motorcycle-only checkpoints and pulling motorcyclists over, much like you were talking about on this trip. And then they look for something to find wrong with them. Um, And, I mean, I'm I'm torn between it because they do have so many problems with stunters, with uh, illegal, you know, like stolen dirt bikes and quads going around. Um, and then all these electric bikes that qualify as mopeds, but people are ripping down the roads everywhere with them. So they do have a lot of problematic um, vehicles. Though the question came up, is this illegal or not, right? So um, uh, Oliver, uh, Ollie, he wrote and said, I just finished listening to your podcast regarding checkpoints for motorcycles in New York. While laws vary state to state, typically the idea is if there is enough of a risk posed to the community, then a checkpoint may be set up in order to protect the community. This is often the case with federal checkpoints such as airports, U.S. borders, etc. In New York, there is specifically a special needs doctrine, which is where the justification of motorcycle-only checkpoints are explained. And he provides a link. And I I did read it. It appears at this point that the checkpoints have been upheld as lawful in the courts, although many people disagree. Checkpoints are a pain in the ass, and I think a lot of people are divided on their opinions uh, on if they are good or bad. I think it really depends on the situation. So I actually made a call to somebody who has a little more knowledge about this kind of stuff who happens to work in Washington, D.C. Okay. And what I was told, and we are going to get into it more in a future show, what I was told is it is unconstitutional, but it is not illegal. Hmm. It's Hmm. one of these things. I mean, he made the point about, you know, the border checkpoints but they were doing those like 150 miles away from the border right yeah. you know and people are like hey you can't do that right um and in this case yeah there was a court i think the court below the supreme court second district what is that called something like that the, yeah appellate court appellate. or something yeah, yeah. they're one of yeah. them ninth, they had, district. ninth, ninth district, district i think they had already ruled that these are not uh, not illegal uh, using that clause, which allows them to, in special instances, do it. Part of the problem, too, is they're doing this in places where motorcyclists are, you can't evade, meaning on a, like a freeway overpass connector from one freeway to another, just places where you're trapped in that place. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, just pulling them over. So um, we're getting into, into it deeper and, and really when you use the phrase um, unconstitutional but not illegal, what that means is until there is specifically a law or a bill passed or a an appeal in court, then they can keep doing it. And, you know, it's, it's, I hate to sound pessimistic, 
but the chance of going to a court and as a motorcyclist, an individual well, motorcyclist, having the law on your side is probably well, quite slim. It, it already went up to a pretty high court. So yeah. this is something that is being thrown around. There are a lot of people but you talking know, about the, it. So when you get into that whole thing, threat to the community... Yeah, it's it's I mean, whether probably. it's a real threat or perceived, and that's where the law is going to sort of live or die, because you've you've got to say this is a very very real threat, as opposed to this is what we perceive as a well, threat. Well, and I have a friend who um, I chatted with because they had posted a video of them being stopped at a checkpoint, right? And they said this was illegal and refused to give their. ID because you can't just ID somebody unless they've done something wrong, right? right? And so they said, well, this is illegal. Wouldn't give their ID. So the police officer pulled their key out of the bike. And then when they were having a conversation with him about like, come on, dude, this isn't cool. And he's like, look, it's, I got a job to do. I need your, you know, your registration insurance. Well, it's under the seat, which I can't get to unless I have the key, but he wouldn't give them the key until they gave them their id and finally did that and then apparently a ticket was written up which is now for not presenting identification and they've been going to court and appealing and it's been a whole mess so but that's it, probably what it will take and that will set stuff the like precedent. that exactly so yeah. yeah so there's i'm i'm digging and i'm finding more and more stories about this but well it, coming it's, it's you interesting know, coming to a town near you i hope not sounds like a job for the uh um, ama guys it does or aclu yeah, well, and like I said, I'm 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 calling people about this, and, and well, you yeah. need to, and inquire. We all need to. Um, it's an out. It's a bloody outrage. <laughs> yeah. Bagel. Yes, you have an email that leads to another interesting conversation. I do. <clears throat> it reads, "Hello again, Miss Fitz. <laughs> Simon the Swede here." Oh, sure. <laughs> In episode four hundred eighty-three, you are discussing random motorcycle-related domain names. Yeah. You mentioned Wheelie.com, and one of you thought it was Norwegian. That's you, Bagel. Willy? That was me. Wheelie.com. In my, in my yeah. defense, Wheelie. Oh, very. I thought you like, said Wheelie. Like, no, Wheelie. No, 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 <laughs> no, okay. And in, in my defense, it had a domain that I thought was was from Norway, but apparently it wasn't. But that was that was my my only excuse. It was yeah. in yellow and blue, so yeah. that was a very this is the website. strong color that it should have been. A Swedish, should have said it was a Swedish website, but I knew it was Scandinavian, so I was close. Anyway, uh, Simon writes, "It is in fact a Swedish driving oh. school." This misclassification left me feeling utterly violated. <laughs> but oh, God, will, sorry, darling. If you want to be violated. But I will forgive you, and here's why. I wrote to you before asking how I might convince my wife to let me get a motorcycle. Oh, I remember that. You gave me some really nice suggestions. I think what finally swayed her was our ongoing and very open discussion. Me reaching out to you probably showed her that this is important to me. Aww. So she said, if you're going to do it, then do it 100%. Get a Harley. Get a French booster. Now I'm on track to get my license. Thanks. Oh, that's great. Lately, you've been talking a lot about making it easy for new riders. At times, it sounds like you Americans get your license at birth. <laughs> so easy. 
<laughs> Here's what I am facing. Eye examination, getting a government-issued permit, enlisting at a driving school, taking 10 to 15 driving lessons, doing a theoretical risk management class, doing a practical risk management class, written exam, practical exam, an expected cost of 1000 to 2000 US dollars just to get licensed. I'm curious to know more about the process of getting a motorcycle license across the pond, and I'm betting one of my pinkies that it varies a lot between states. Please share. All the best. Your favorite speed, Simon. Simon, now, if you... I, I, can, I, can I respond to this first? Yes, yeah, but... but I, I think the process in probably half to two thirds of the states is you you buy a box of Cracker Jacks and there's a license inside. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. what I was going to say to Simon is he's obviously listening to this show. So cast your mind back to the beginning of the show when Liza was reading the list of indictments from the Sturgis rally. <laughs> and I think that will explain everything about the licensing process in America. Yes. Yes. So um, we, can, we can say that uh, here in the United States, um, California is usually one of the leaders in, in making things tougher or tighter or restricted. Mm -hmm. or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Some call that progress. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we get our at, licenses in a Wheaties box. So I believe um, <laughs> that it is still the same here, that all you must do is walk in, make an appointment at the the, the, the DMV, Department of Motor yes. Vehicles, take a short written test. Yes. Yep. And if you pass the test, You're rolling. you are given a permit, permit. That allows you to go out on the streets and learn to ride. There's Your stretch busa. Two restrictions on this permit. One, you Three cannot ride it. You cannot ride at night. Mm -hmm. yep. You cannot ride with a passenger unless they oh, are and, licensed. And you cannot go on the freeway. Right, right. But exactly. you are allowed a passenger if they are licensed and instructing you in operating but the that, motorbike. But the I, that is for the California. first thirty days. I think. How and do then you, you can. How do you get anywhere in California without going on a freeway? No, but I think, <laughs> so I think there's no enforcement <laughs> there either. I think like but not um, with a permit. You're not. No. <laughs> I believe that might just be for 30 days. I'm not sure. No, but that allows you to go out and legally ride on the streets. Do people ride at night with a passenger right. but on the freeway? It's, yeah. There's even a faster way. You just go take a weekend class, take the DMV test during the class. So in two yeah. days of riding, so less than... 24 so, hours of riding well, experience and a written well, test, you basically... You do get, need your permit for the class, though. It wasn't like that when I. I don't. It. No, no, I don't think. I think they've circumnavigated that now. No, if, oh, really? So oh, if you and so for people under, it's either twenty-one or eighteen. I think it's twenty-one. You have to take a class to a, a practical riding class that then earns you your permit. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're over 21, you only have to take the test. Which I don't know how much does it cost to take a it's test. About three. Well, I don't know. At for the a DMV, test? I don't know. Oh, like, Ten bucks, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. like nothing. I mean, it's nothing. So basically, it is very, very simple here. You are also not restricted to the size of the motorcycle. So stretch, stretch, boosa. Any motorcycle you want. It's my can, freedom. So I, I was having a discussion with about about this with somebody, and it's like. 
You think dealers try to sell people leader bikes for the first bike, knowing full well the service department is going to get a lot of work in the very near future? Yeah, exactly. I sincerely hope not. not but, yeah. um, I, I do know of people who taught at riding schools who would have like a dude ride up on his brand new Harley, take the riding school on a little 250 and fail, and then get back onto his Harley to ride home. Yeah. <laughs> so... It is very, very here easy here. Really, the, the policy here is show that you've made the smallest uh, effort to understand the rules of the road. Right, and you And golden. then go out and learn on the roads. Good luck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, That's but, it. Typic- but typically speaking, though, the, for most states, the process will be first you get a permit. Uh, instruction is completely optional. Um, there, there may be an eye test required to get your license. Um, but it's usually just looking through a little, you know, viewfinder yeah. and reading some letters. Um, and then you have a, a road test, which, well, quote unquote, road test, which may be in just in a parking lot. And they have you ride yeah. around in a know, circle so, and yeah. up and down and do a figure eight. And they, okay, you get your license. And that's kind of about it. Or you can keep taking your test and have a perpetual license or permit. Oh, your permit. Yeah, yeah permit. just get your permit um, renewed every six months. <laughs> yeah, the only other two things of this now i completely forget what they are um is that uh let's see you can ride anything anywhere basically right um now i had it and now i've lost it yeah it's basically it's it's go out there and good luck we know that uh tiered licensing is much better for riders i think most of us who ride agree yes but whenever i've brought that up with like government people they're like, oh, it would never happen. We can't even get helmet laws passed here in most right. states. But then again, even like lane splitting is illegal in most places. It's it's kind of crazy. No, it's the, only illegal in states in the United States. It's legal everywhere else in the world. I know. So pretty much. So we've been trying here in Oregon. We, though. we can't get people to wear helmets. You know, it's hard. Um, but that's what I've heard is that. The, the infrastructure would cost so much to get to tiered licensing, having all the schools that you need and all the, the, the I don't know, learner plates and all that stuff. It makes sense to me. We're not there. We're not there. So here's a Harley. Go forth and prosper. That's how it works here. Yeah. This, this <laughs> is the land of the free. And, and, the, an and the reason why your motorcycle insurance costs so damn much. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I we we agree that you know other places have got it figured out a lot better but yeah we're pretty, right. we're pretty dumb um uh oh the other thing and this isn't really motorcycle news but just kind of interesting news related to bonneville um being closed i don't know if you guys heard but there were also floods that went through death valley which is not that far away oh yeah many of the roads were washed out yeah like what gone yeah. And in fact, I was watching a video on YouTube, um, a guy who was going through in an SUV. And he said, um, on one net side, uh, coming from the California side, going towards Nevada, there was no sign that said road closure. You just simply, you came up and then the road was gone and it was a, a boulder field. And wow. he took his, because he was an SUV, he's like, oh, I'll go for it. And he was finding the path, but it was like baby head rocks. And then the road mm-hmm. would appear again and then be fine. And then again, it's gone mm. or you didn't have to go through a washout. But, um, and then at one point there was water going across, but he walked across first. 
to to check that there wasn't you know sunken check the road. Depth. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he said on his trip across, he rescued twelve Europeans. Wow! There were so many Europeans in rental cars that should not have been there, that mm. were getting stuck in like you know, in Toyota Corollas mm. and stuff, getting I stuck in the sand and the mud, and he's just winching mm. them out and then going along on his trip. Oh, here's another one, and he's like, "Wow, Death Valley doesn't mess around. Like you can oh, yeah. die if you yeah. don't have enough yeah. water." Yeah, there's a reason for and, the name. Uh, and he was just surprised. Or by too the time much he water. Got, yeah, by the time he got to the other side, they had put up some signs that said road closed, but there's absolutely nobody enforcing it, Nothing, yeah. no barriers across the road. So Death Valley is washed out, so avoid Death Valley for a while. Right. Don't fuck with it. Or if you're really yeah. looking for a crazy adventure, I mean. There, he came across <laughs> a dude on a Harley Bagger going through. That's, that's wow. commitment right there. And he's like, I recommend you turn around. He's like, well. I think I'll give it a shot. Even if it wasn't there, for, the, there, for the crazy weather, there. it would be hot as shit there right now. There it is. Yeah. Which no one. Why, would why do that. we can't have tiered licensing or, or get people to wear helmets? <laughs> because just Americans just want to do what they want to do. You can't tell me what to do. No. Right. So anyway, that is all I have. You know what? Congratulations, um, you guys having a great trip. You actually have me excited. Usually on when I take trips, I like a element of danger or risk or oh there's plenty yeah i was gonna say there were some sketchy fucking passes let me tell yeah. you something right moments, now right. about the way italians set up passes you've got like a two thousand foot drop mm-hmm. and there's no barrier there's worn down concrete posts about 10 feet apart so you want hmm. danger hunt you've got right, it i'm gonna cut into the uh, scudistan episode where bagel and his crew had to go across a half submerged uh, um, co- collapsed bridge good oh that is fun yeah that is fun um no congratulations thank Kat. you i'm putting on a successful no tour. he did a stellar thank job you. he's very good at his thank job thank you very much for taking care of the misfits because <laughs> we needed taking care of didn't yeah. we Kat? but that and was the point of the tour really let's yeah. talk about making this a yearly thing right. somewhere i mean i don't know patrick uh henry would you want to go back to the same place or you want to try somewhere new I, I could go either way, honestly. Yeah, I could right. I could go right. back. I at one point I rode the same route two days in a row, and I was like, I could ride this route every day, and right. never well, be let's, dissatisfied. Let's keep the conversation with it. going. Right. Yeah. Um, if you are interested in finding out about any of Cat's other trips, go to leodescapes.com, L E O D escapes.com. Um, but if you're interested in doing another Misfits, Misfits with Cat tour. Uh, send us an email at motorcyclesandmisfits at gmail.com. Um, but also send us an email about anything. We want some more emails, especially ones from cool countries with cool accents for bagel to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, don't forget, we've got T-shirts for sale. Go over to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. Click on shop. You can see what we have there for sale. Got that cool Evil Knievel logo. I love that design. Um, can we just share a little bit of news? That okay, I'm but really, we're over, so I is know, it but be quick? I'm really quite proud of it. Oh, yes, you are right. I should have started with this. I'm so sorry. Emma, mm. congratulations. I don't know if anyone else has seen, but you have a new moniker. I do. I love oh. it. Oh, yeah. Um, so amongst the classic bike crowd, um, there is a very interesting gentleman called Paul Dorleans. He's been around forever. He's sort of the American Henry Cole. Um, 
and he runs a um, online magazine called the Vintagent, which is you know the online arts foundation for motorcycles. And they did a little feature on me. Oh, nice! Yay. And um, congratulations. Talks about my journey with motorcycles. Uh, it's a very very nice story, and it is entitled Liza. Yeah, the Mary Poppins of motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hello there. Hello, hey. darling. <laughs> Yes, the Mary Poppins of motorcycles, and people have commented that it's very well written. It's a it's a um, nice yeah. it's a nice article, and it, you know it talks about who I am and why I am and what I am and all that good stuff. And um, it's um, I'm you know I'm absolutely thrilled that they kind of reached out to me and said, "Hey, listen, we want to do a little bit on you." So there we are. That that's a big deal. Yeah, so well, congratulations. From, the, from this point forward, Liza, you should refer to me as your ladyship. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say princess. No. But, <laughs> La princesa. If you would like to read it, you can find <laughs> it at thevintagent.com. V-I-N-T-A-G-E-N-T. So vint agent. Like vint vintage. agent. Yeah, vintagent.com. And look for the Mary Poppins of motorcycles. We yeah. are getting so much mileage out of that photo shoot. Yeah, you know, that's going to be my legacy, I feel, that <laughs> picture. <laughs> I know. Well, Kat, thank you for coming down sure. and, and sharing the story. I always like when you come down. And I didn't even mention you guys look so good in your Venom uh, base layers. <laughs> yeah. I swear, Henry used to be the Blue Power Ranger. He is absolutely the blue Power Ranger. <laughs> you know, it, it worked out really well when Krista was in the yellow because it's like, yeah, there it is, blue and yellow, uh, the Power Ranger <laughs> team. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, um, I'm heading out again. Yes, you are. Um, oh, yeah? Midweek, I am going to Sturgis, uh, but more, more exactly, I'm going to be in Custer, South Dakota. Okay. After nice. Sturgis Festival is so done. who is running the garage, Liza? You will be running the garage. Which means that everyone will have to do exactly what I say. Yeah, and I will be riding my KLR through the Black Hills, having some fun with a bunch of my friends. Another snip from Mototown. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. The one that got put in a truck and taken to Sturgeon. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the, the stupid thing, it was ridden from California out I there. Know. Oh, I God. Know. I know. That's well, shameful. this is the time where we say thank you, all of our thanks. Thank you, Kat. Thank you to all the people who went on the tour and having a great time. Yeah, no, thank you to all of the listeners, especially our Patreon subscribers. Just thank you for being you. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you yeah. in advance, Emma, for running the garage next week. I will be here for the podcast. I will just be very, very tired. Okay. Well, that's okay. If, if you start snoring, we'll blame it on Bosley from and then, beyond the grave. And then I have a few weeks before I'm gone again. Mm. I see. Yes. I'll probably be running the garage then, won't I? Yes. Okay, very <laughs> exactly. good. Exactly. But uh, next week, we're going to be getting a ride report from the guys who got back from their trip. Yeah. Bury so their poop. Yay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the poop barriers. Yeah, Jim came back all mud, just dirty, and with a giant grin. They had so much fun, and a giant nice. poop in a bag. I haven't gotten all the stories yet, but no, you just got to bury the poop. Bury the poop, not in the bag. Not not pack your poop. Not pack your poop. Bury the poop. <laughs> we'll work on it. All right, let's get out of here. Thank you, thank you, everyone. This is Liza, Henry, Emma, darling, Cat, Patrick, Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, cool, cool. cool. cool.